Hello, my beautiful people. Welcome back to the Bibliophile Hour. I am your host slash cousin, Erica the Bibliophile. And we are on day 15 of Read a Book, Record a Podcast. And I am ready to jump into part three of The Beauty of This Street Love, A Texas Tale. Let's get into it. Now, book two ended with Shamar not only being taken, but also Tamar. And let's see how the Kinseys handle it. Ty goes to pick up Briar, aka Dr. Rose, and tells her to come take a ride with him. And at first she was going to fight it, but when she hears his voice, she does so with no problem. And he tells her that he was on his way to come pick her up to make sure that she was safe because someone took Shamar. Um, And he found out that somebody got his little sister too. And they're thinking that at this time it's the princes and they have both of them. And he tells her, I can't risk losing my fairy tale girl. I need time to convince you that I'm going to change your life. And, you know, she just nods and doesn't say anything. Just being very supportive of him at that time. Which was a good thing. Because she spends so much time fighting the attraction between them. It's good that she finally just shut up for a change. Trey can't believe that Sed is behind this. He knows that Sed genuinely cares about Shamar, so... The Prince family must have something on him for him to do that, but it doesn't, you know, make the betrayal any less hard to deal with because anything that he's going through, he could have came to the Kinsey's for help. And said switch to another car, so it's not one of their cars where they have GPS tracking, so they would have been able to find them quickly. So this was well thought out, and that makes him even more pissed off. Stephen Prince, who is, you know, Alonzo Prince's son, is talking about coming for their heart. Because said, you know, he didn't want to do it. And he tells them, you know, they're going to kill you when they find out that you're behind this. And he tells him, don't worry about all that. Just bring me their heart. And he knows that Shamar is Trey's heart. And he's going to be focusing on trying to get her back. Asabin... Shamar's mom, who is so rude and dramatic, she's just like, dear God, where's my baby? I knew your kind would get her into trouble. I told Shamar, and it's like, before she can even continue, Mama Kenzie is in her face telling her, I don't know who the hell you think you are, but you will not come in here disrespecting my home or my son. Those kids love each other, and your bougie ass might as well get over it. Now sit your ass down. And, of course, Catherine tries to act as if she's so appalled, but she makes sure to sit down, though. Because it's like, girl, ain't nobody buying that act of you are so in love with your daughter, or, you know, you love your daughter so much, not in love. But it's just like, when she was there, you couldn't help but tell her how fat she was, how she ain't gonna never get a man and she needs to be prim and proper at all times and she needs to wear 
certain clothes and it's like your so-called friends didn't even know that you had a daughter for real so don't come in here boohooing and putting on the show now and so they're trying to figure out what the card means because um who was that Chantel said that it meant the prince of darkness but it actually means the angel of death so Trey and Trip start smiling and everybody's like you know what are y'all talking about or you know why y'all looking like that and when they tell they tell the rest of the family like oh she's with angel and they're like that psychopath why are y'all smiling about that and it's like they have to tell them that he's half in love with tamar so he took her to keep her safe she's in good hands and tamir jokes and says yeah till she started running that trap but everybody's relieved now because they know that she's safe and not actually with the princess but that leaves them more to focus on getting shamar back and trey phones ring trey's phone rings and it's tay tamar and she's like you know i know you guys must be worried but i'm with and Trey's like we know all about it you know you're fine you're cool and she thinks that he set it up for her to be taken because if you remember how Angel took her, like he broke her light. So when she opened the door, she couldn't see him standing there. And she basically tried to fight him off until he poked her with a syringe. So it's like, if you guys did this as some way to try to protect me, but Angel hung up the phone. So she didn't even get to finish her thought. And, you know, he's just like, she's okay. So cool Catherine is still like making little slick comments and uh, Trey tells her look lady I got about 30 minutes left in me before I go the fuck off and paint Houston in blood and some of your blood can be a part of that so do you want to keep running your mop or do you want to shut up and let us work on how to get my girl back and she's finally quiet and she turns to her husband and says you're just gonna sit there while and even john had to cuss her out like catherine for god's sake shut the fuck up so we can find our daughter you know ain't nobody and see that's the problem though i blame john for that because it's like any other time you just let her run her mouth so she don't know when to quit if i only take your daughter being kidnapped and it being a serious situation, then you got to fly off the handle and tell her to shut the fuck up. You should have been telling her to shut the fuck up. So this wouldn't be a problem now. Sid hates that he has to do this. And I'm like, how do you hate that you have to do this? You know who you work for. You know how crazy them niggas is. They got access to everything. Anything you needed help with, they could have got it for you. So ain't nobody going to feel sorry for you. And as he's driving, you know, Shamara finally notices like, oh, this isn't the way to the hospital. And then she says, oh, sad, not you. And that makes him feel even more terrible. And he just apologizes. But it's like, what can I do with your apology? And Shamara sitting in the back, afraid, you know, not for herself, but more so for her baby, because she doesn't know what she's getting into. And for Trey. Because the nigga is crazy. It's just like, what is he going to do when I'm not... You know, he knows I'm not there. But it's just like, what is he going to do? Is he going to get himself into 
real trouble to where even if I am found, you know, he might be locked up again. And Seth's story is when he was younger, he got his high school sweetheart pregnant. He loved them both, but um, he got into the streets and he had hoes and his girl left him. She took the baby and she left. They moved to Dallas. It doesn't even say where he's from before that, but I guess like they moved to Dallas. And he had, he no longer had contact with his daughter. Like the, his ex-girlfriend wouldn't let him see her. And they had just started reconnecting two years ago when she graduated high school. And then he's like, you know, she reminds me a lot of you. And it's just like, nigga, don't try to butter me up now. I don't want to hear that. I don't care how much she's like me. And last month is when she disappeared. They usually talked every evening, but suddenly the calls stopped and he couldn't find her anywhere, like nothing from her. And then he, he was going to ask the Kenzie's for help, but then he started getting pictures of her tied up, drugged up, and he didn't know what else they were doing to, to her. They could only, he could only imagine, but it's just like, okay, as soon as you got them pictures, why couldn't you go to the Kinsey's? Like, you, I'm not letting this go. You have no excuse. You know who you work for. At any time, you could have went to them and said, hey, look, this is going on, and I need you guys help. Can you please help me? Stefan also told him that he was breaking his daughter in, you know, to get her prepared for the game, and that if he told anybody, he'd never see her again. But it's just like, what? You try to make it seem like you literally had no choice and you had one choice. You could have got some help and you could have had your daughter back. And the sad part is, I think that that girl that was in, like that place where they got Stefan and Shane and that other guy, like your daughter is already saved and you don't even know it because you're too stupid and too cowardly to ask for help. And he offered to trade his daughter, says daughter for Shamar. And that's what he's going to do. And she tells him, you know, but it was your daughter or me. And you know, they're going to do the same thing to me. And he's just like, you know, I'm so sorry. I really don't know. And she also reminds him like, you know, um, there's a chance they might grab me and still not give your daughter back. And that somehow is a shock to him. I'm like, nigga, you didn't think about that? And I'm pretty sure that's exactly what they're going to do because y'all are witnesses and y'all could turn them in. So it's just like, uh, yeah, you might never see your daughter again and you didn't think that all the way through. And Shamar tells him, you should have gone to them, to the Kinsey said They probably could have found your daughter, which they did. And she asked him, well, you can... Well, can you die with this on your conscience, especially since there's a chance they might grab me and still not return your daughter? You know, like she keeps reiterating that point, like you might never see your daughter again. So while you're thinking that you're doing the right thing, you're probably just handing me over and you're still not going to see your daughter. So he drives to Texas and they have to stop at a motel. And this is where Shamar is starting to get pissed. At first, she had sympathy for Seth, but that's all starting to go away now. Because it's like, 
you could have handled this way better. I keep saying this, but it's like, you know, you knew who you worked for. You could have gotten help. There's no reason for you to have to do this. And, you know, instead he has her and the baby in danger. And we already know that Trey is on a rampage. So it's just like, nigga, you're dummy. And she feels like this is her time to boss up. She can't be sitting around crying, being worried. You know, she got to protect herself and her baby. She about to be a mom now. And, you know, it's just time for her to do what she got to do. So the news is on and they report that there have been eight murdered in a two block area of South Dallas. Six people were injured and what is suspected to be a drug related activity and the life of respected businessman Alonzo Prince has come under question. Three bodies were found at his suburban home along with a large amount of cash, heroin and cocaine. But Alonzo Prince is still nowhere to be found. And Shamar turns to said and, you know, asks him, you know, this is just the beginning, right? Like, you know, that's them behind it, behind this. And they're not going to stop killing till they find me and answers as to what happened. And of course, like I said, the girl that Ty rescued when he got Shane and Stefan was says daughter. So it's just like, they don't even have your daughter anymore. Idiot. And Shamar, she, her bossing up is she takes the lid of the toilet seat off as well as the top seat and when said comes in to check on her she knocks him out she hits him over the head with it and then she goes out into the hallway to call trey and you know he answers the phone with an attitude like what and she says i expected you to be happy to hear me and it's like a pause and then he's like, mouse. And, you know, like, he's so happy to hear from her. And, you know, like, where are you? I'm going to come get you right now. So he, she gives him the address and he tells her to stay on the phone. And then, you know, there's on the staircase, you know, the door opens when she makes it to the bottom and two guys are holding guns. So she tells him, I love you. And he's like, I love you too, but why do you sound like that? And the guy, there's two of them. One snatches the phone and says, Trey Kenzie, Mr. Prince wants you to know how much fun he's going to have with your baby mama. And, you know, of course, Trey got the cussing and yelling, you know, probably threatening him. And then he turns to Shamar and says, it's best you come peacefully. You struggle, and I'm going to fuck up that pretty face. Mr. Prince is already mad that that nigga Cedric backed out, and he had to send us. Don't make it work. Worse. <laughs> work. So, Sad meets them in the lobby, and he now has a gun aimed at the guy who has a gun aiming at Shamar. And, you know, he's looking at her pissed off, like, I was trying to tell your ass that I wasn't going to go through with it. And she shrugs like, you shouldn't have us in this position in the first place. So, you know, I'm not sorry about that. And then the guy that's holding the gun to Shamar, like basically his head is blown off. The Kenzie's have arrived. 
And in that time, she was talking shit to the two guys who had the gun. Like, my boo coming. He peels people alive for a living. And I'm going to tell him that I want him to peel you. So when they walked through the door, she, like, took you long enough. And Trey is surprised. He, like, he been worried about her falling apart. And she up here talking shit. So Seth tells them, help me find my daughter and see her just one more time. And I don't give a damn what you do to me. And Trey punches him like, how you gonna ask me for anything? We already had your daughter, so. And then Shamar tries to speak up for him like, Trey, he did change his mind. And he killed one of the shooters. And Trey ain't trying to hear that. He like, I don't give a fuck. He should have came to us from the beginning. So whatever he changed, he changed his mind. Like, that means nothing to me. So... Also, in the last book, I should have did a recap. Um, Sin got court orders that Aaron was coming to take their take their daughter. So Tripp and his dad are at the doorstep of the judge who granted the request, and they ask him, "You make a habit of signing paperwork when all you got is half the story." And he's like, "You know what are you talking about? This must be a mistake." And Pops tells the judge, Tristan is in a relationship with a beautiful young woman. She's quite bright, almost done with her bachelor's, and she achieved that while being a single mother. We love her, and we adore her daughter like she's our own. Well, she is our own. Dre and I are enjoying being grandparents. I take it personally if she was taken away from our family, so fix it immediately. And of course, like the guy is not in his head because he's going to do whatever because he doesn't he doesn't want to be on their bad side. So Trey takes Shamar to a hotel for the night. He said, I had someone pack a bag for us. I just can't share you tonight. I need you to be with me. And when they're in the hotel together, he tells her, I can't lose you ever. Do you understand what that would do to me? And somebody crazy like him, it's just like once he's in a relationship, that's it for him. That's all he can focus on. And for somebody to take her from him, I can understand how that would mess up his already fucked up psyche. And she tells him, you know, you're not going to lose me. I would never leave you willingly. You're stuck with me. And he makes her promise, you know, promise you're never going to leave me. And she does. So the next day when... Uh, Trey brings Shamar over to Sin's house. Devin is also there and Trip is there. So it's they're all reunited together. And Trip tells her, you know, I got something to tell you while your whole crew is here. And he brings up the fact that Aaron keeps saying that they don't have any stability with their family. And, you know, he's like, I'm going to change all that. But before he can get it out... Little baby Sanai says, Mama, me and you and Trip get married and having us a new baby. And she's like, wait a minute, where does baby talk coming from? But he grabs her hand and slides a huge diamond on her finger. And she's speechless. And he's like, what, you don't like it? This really just a placeholder. Your real one on the way. I just wanted to get you something for right now. And she tells him, you know, it's beautiful, but we haven't talked about what we got to talk about. I ain't going nowhere 
and I wish you would even entertain the idea of another nigga. We already a family. We just making it official because I'm tired of that bitch ass nigga not understanding and I'm ready to be with y'all full time. Because, you know, he's over there basically all the time, but sometimes he does go home and they have to separate. So I can understand that. And Ty comes over to Dr. Rose's house. And, of course, she's back to front him off, acting like she don't want nothing to do with him. And she asks him, for real, what are you doing here? And he says, how can we build our relationship if we don't spend time together? And she's watching Jeopardy, which is one of her favorite shows, which is, ugh, I don't know. I'm just like, why? Who willingly watch Jeopardy? R.I.B. R.I.B. R.I.P. Alex Trebek. Um, but anyway, they make a bet. Whoever wins gets three wishes that the other one can't turn down. So she's smiling because she just knows she's about to beat him and tells him, don't take this ass whooping personally. It's about to go down. Well, you're about to go down. So we know what one of her wishes is going to be. And she, Shamar is reunited with Jonathan and her mom, Catherine. And he gives her a hug and says, you know, we were so scared. And she puts a hand on her belly and says, we're o- we were okay. We were all right this whole time. And this is news to him. So, you know, he calls off for Catherine. And, of course, she walks in being a bitch. She's like, I know you're happy that we're re- we're- we are, Lord, reunited with Shamar. But do you have to bellow? And it's just like, really, girl, just come in the room and hug your daughter. You was boohooing and so sad that somebody took her. But now that she's here, you back to acting like a bitch. But when she sees that Shamar is pregnant... She gets teary-eyed, and then she hugs Shamar, and she says, it's okay, baby. And Shamar says, oh, mama. And, <laughs> sorry, if you watch, uh, what is that, Little Shop of Horrors, that just, that came into my head for me. Oh, mama. Anyway, um. And Catherine tells her, I worry about your safety and stability with him. I can't lie, but I very much would like to be a part of this baby's life and yours. I know I haven't been the best mother. Hell, I know I've been a terrible mother. I just felt so unprepared and scared of motherhood when I found out I was pregnant. Your father and I divorced so soon after you came that it was just easier to let mama take the lead with you. She wanted to anyway. But then when I noticed how close y'all were, I got jealous and I felt insecure about our relationship. It didn't help that your stepmama doted on you and y'all seemed to get along much better than you and I did. I know I created a distance. I do love you though, very much. And I want to be here with you. And you know, so they just have this nice bonding moment and they agreed to strengthen their relationship. And Catherine also tells her, you know, um, it felt nice when you called me mama. Because this whole time she's been calling Catherine by her name, like her first name and all of her men. She's so shady. Um, Because she calls her by every single one of her married names as well, even though she has a new husband. (laughs) Trey calls a meeting of all the brothers 
but all he gave them was an address. It's actually a sex shop. And he's telling them, you know, like, me and Mouse are going to be gone for a few days. I just need y'all to hold it down. And, you know, everybody's like, so we had to show up here? And he's just like, yeah, you know, whatever. And after it's all said and done, Tamir goes home. And Chantel meets him, like, in the living room looking nervous. And he's like, you know, what's going on? And he says, nothing. I just wasn't expecting you right now. So he's like, you know, you got somebody in my house? So he pulls his gun and he goes towards the kitchen. And, you know, he doesn't aim it because their daughter was in the kitchen. But he makes sure that it's known. And he's thinking it's a guy. So he's like, oh, God, nigga, I hope your mama got a black dress. But it's actually her parents, Chantel's parents. And they hate him. So, of course... It's just like, do you make a habit of cursing and waving firearms in front of our granddaughter? And it's just like, oh, here's something else for them to think that he's just a low-down thug. And Chantel's parents are doctors and, you know, they're science. I think one is a doctor, one is a scientist. So they had high hopes for her and they don't believe in her wanting to go to school for art and designing And they just look at Tamir as if he's some kind of thug. So the daddy being funny. And he's like, you know, how is work? I'm thinking maybe I should switch to your industry. I mean, any job that allows a 21-year-old to buy a million-dollar home and $100,000 cars, you know. So basically hinting that he knows that he's a drug dealer. And Samir says, what can I say? My parents are very rich and very generous because I'm still in college. You know, basically playing it off like, I don't know what you're talking about. And you don't want to be in my industry. You mess up your manicure. Plus, it takes a lot of heart. So basically, you call it Papa Dubois pussy. And, you know, they're questioning, can he take care of his family? And he tells them, you know, I take damn good care of my family. Family. You don't have the decency to marry her. You were not present for your daughter's birth. And you have no career to provide for them. Two young people playing house with an innocent baby. Caught in the middle. It's hardly a family. Which I said that in the second book. It's just like they want to be in love and get this right so bad. But it's just like, Chantel, you're 20, sweetheart, and he's 21. It just like... Some people, it just flows together. And in this situation, it seems like y'all are forcing it because it seems like the right thing to do, even though they do love each other. Ever been listening to your favorite podcast and think, hey, I want to start my own. Then you need Anchor. It's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First, everyone's favorite word, free There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Chantel steps in to defend Tamir to her parents and she tells them you know Tamir is my family too he takes excellent care of us we love each other and our baby 
and you know she tells her parents they have to leave because you know you can't keep disrespecting this man in his house and Tamir tells her you know I'm proud of you girl you were all about defending your man and she tells him to shut up we we ain't friends but if anybody gonna talk shit about you it's gonna be me and nobody else so Dr. Rose is checking up on John Baptiste and tells him that, you know, he's going to make a full quick recovery. So that's no problem. And before she leaves, because she's going on a lunch date with her colleague and friend that um, Tamir and Ty, when they all ran into each other at Target. I don't know why that was a tongue twister. But before she goes, Ty tells her, I want my first wish. So when they were at the sex shop, he bought a vibrator, you know, with the remote. And he tells her to put it on before she leaves. So, of course, we know that Ty had beat her at Jeopardy. So he gets his three wishes. And, you know, she's like, please don't. Before he gave her the vibrator, she was like, please don't ask me not to go. And he's like, no, you can go on your little date. But you got to wear this. And he tells her, you take too long and I'll come break up your little date. And she says, you know, it didn't matter that he wasn't her man. And she kept telling them that they had no future. Tyrese was determined to claim her. You know, that's coming from Dr. Rose. And it's just like, why wouldn't y'all have a future together? Have you ever asked him, does he plan on doing anything outside of what he does? Because she doesn't fully know what he does. It's just she's seen the part where he comes pick her up. And she has to patch up a few people. But it's like, have you talked about if he wanted to do anything else? If he's doing anything else? Have you asked if he's in school or not? You're just so determined that you're better than him because you're a doctor. And it's just like, ugh, I'm, Dr. Rose turns me off so much. I cannot stand people who think that they're better than somebody. Because, like, despite his occupation, if you feeling him like that, why are you just so quick to blow him off? It annoys me so much. Also, Tyrese has a GPS tracker on her car. They all do. Like, any anybody they're involved with or talking to, they have GPS trackers so they can get to them at any point. And, you know, he says she really needs to stop running but he wants her to realize for herself that she wants to be with him and it's not him forcing her to do it. And so after her date and him basically messing with her on that whole day with that vibrator thing, he has wish number two when they meet up later. And his second wish is for her to go out on a date with him, like a real date out in public. And she sighs and says, Tyrese... And he says, you're ruling me out without even giving me a chance. But I'm done begging you, Elise. Like, forget it. And this is when she sits up and says, you know, why did you call me that? Because he's been calling her Briar Rose all this time since her first name is Briar. You know, after the fairy tale. And everybody else calls her Elise by her middle name. And he says, you know, ain't that what your friend and coworkers call you? And that's what we are, co-workers. Forget the wishes. I'll call you when your medical services are needed. So now she's shocked and like, you're kicking me out? 
And he says, why would I spend all this time chilling with someone who has friends on me, at least? And now she's upset. Like, stop calling me that. But this is what you wanted this whole time. So now that he's giving you that energy, you feel a way about this? And she tells him, no, he asks her, like, why are you mad? You told me no one called you right here. I'm respecting that. You told me we can't have an intimate relationship. I'm respecting that. I'm doing just what you want, but you up in here frowning at me like you want to fight or something. Like, you can't have it both ways where you're entertaining him, but then when it gets too deep, are you feeling too much? Then you want to back up and remind him that you're better than him and that you could lose your license and that you're a doctor. So when he says, okay, then it's like, no, wait, come back. I like the way you make me feel though. No, you can't have it both ways. So, you know, we just going to keep this on a work-related level pieces. Chantel and Tamir are discussing. Nope, they're not discussing. My bad. He left his phone on the counter before he went upstairs and Chantel is going through his phone and he's texting Daria because she's asking for money and he tells her, you know, just in case he is mine, I'll give you a little, a little something to help, but I need that test ASAP. And Daria is just trying to get him to claim the little boy and saying, you know, you could spend time with him. And Tamir tells her, you know, I'm not getting attached to someone that might not be my son, you know, like, I guess he had went over there and he held the little boy because Daria texted him, you know, did it kill you to hold him? And Tamir admits, little man is cool, but I'm serious about what I said. And Chantel was in the kitchen cooking. So when he comes back down, she throws a Pyrex measuring cup at his head. Of course, he ducks and misses, but he, you know, he's caught off guard. He's like, man, what the fuck is your problem? And she like, so you've been talking to this bitch and giving her money? It's just like, for you to swear that you can't stand her, that there's no way that that little boy is yours, you sure spend a lot of time with this bitch. And you giving her money? Like, make it make sense. Y'all niggas swear to be so smart and so hard, but when it comes to women, all of a sudden, y'all just dumb as fuck. And he says, I didn't go see her. But it's like, yes, you did. In order... Yeah, you want to go see the baby, but you still had to see her in the process. But niggas swear they make sense. But anyway, he says, I didn't go see her. I went there because there's a possibility he may be mine. But until you find out that possibility, I would think you would stay away. But he says, a slim possibility, but still at the end of the day, he's an innocent kid. An innocent baby who needs formula pampers, car seats, clothes, you know, all the shits that all the shit that babies need. I gave that bitch $500. $500. Are you really tripping like this over $500? But it don't matter the amount of what you gave her. It's the simple fact you keep swearing that that baby not sure. So why are you breaking bread with her? Yeah, it's an innocent baby. But where this bitch been for the last 14 months? 15 months? Well, no, her baby is older. So what? Yeah, 15 or 16 months. Where's she been at? She ain't been asking you for no money all this time. So why is she asking for something now? And why do you feel the need to give it to her? Like you trying to justify your actions and it don't make sense. Because you're saying two different things at the same time. Now which one is the truth? Tamir. And Chantel just has to break it down for him. Like you cheated on me. You fucking hid it until you couldn't. 
Like, you know, we've been in a relationship. I'm thinking everything is great. Until that bitch came pounding on the door talking about she here to meet stepmama. You wouldn't have told me nothing about this bitch. And I wouldn't have known that you was out here cheating. And that's another thing. Like, I will never understand people claiming to be so in love and then go out and cheat. It just, the two don't add up. It don't make sense. Can't nobody change my mind. I don't want to hear it. And she says, you know, you could possibly have a baby with somebody else. You broke our trust. And just when I'm working so hard to get it back, I find you back sneaking with this trifling motherfucker. And you still hiding shit. So it's just like, don't look at me like I'm the problem when it's you. And I'm tripping because you know your ass is wrong. You know it because you keep going behind my back. I'm tripping because I know this bitch is bumping her guns gums about what my so-called man is doing for her i'm tripping because she probably bragging and laughing that she's taking taking your money for a baby that's probably not yours and you know he's like you know i don't care about what people say you know they gonna gossip whatever whatever but it's like that's not you missing the point and if i feel like you're being obtuse for no reason because it's just like you know exactly what that means like you getting played and you allowing yourself to be played but you feel like you got the upper hand. Are you being smart about it? And you really not. But he tells Chantel, you know, no one will ever mean what you mean to me. But it's like, what does that mean? I mean so much to you, but you still cheat on me. So, you know, what does that mean? How great do you feel about me? How high up do you hold me if you can still cheat on me? Trip is realizing that there's something wrong with the ladies in his life being sin and sanai you know sin is being unusually quiet she always got some smart remark to say and nine seems to be dragging a little bit and you know asking sin what's wrong she just shrugs and pretends she doesn't know what trip is talking about and he tried to ask sanai but you know she just hugs him closer and won't let him go trip takes Sanai out to the park and Trey meets them there and a little boy bumps into or no I think he knocks Sanai down but Sanai gets up and punches him back and you know of course these two fools they like yeah that's my little baby and the little boy dad comes over and says are you really celebrating this behavior and then he says, we started to leave as soon as we saw you step foot over there. Thugs like you are never up to any good. Let me tell you a story. And Tripp was like, nah, nope. You know what happens when you tell a story. Nigga said he thought about leaving. Why it came in a body bag? And he's just like, man, do you see where we at? We at a park surrounded with little kids. And Trey, I love Trey. He's just like, oh, he was so disappointed. <laughs> and then later, Trip takes Sanai for ice cream, you know, just trying to talk her up a little bit. Did you have fun today? I'm glad because I've been feeling like you've been a little sad. And she says, I was a little sad. And he's like, you know, can you tell me what's wrong? And she's like, you know, I have questions. When mama has the new baby, the baby gonna call her mama. And he thinks like, you know, he's figured out that's what the problem is. Her being sad that another baby is coming. And it's just like, I don't think so. Because, you know, when they made the announcement for the engagement, she was so happy. And 
you know, like he said, you know, when she has a baby, she's still going to love you just the same. She's like, I, I know that. That's not the problem. But the baby's going to call you daddy. And, you know, he's like, yeah. So she asks, can I call you daddy too? And at that point, you know, thugs don't cry. But he got a little teary-eyed because that's his little love bug. He's grown to love this little girl. But he's been silent for too long and tears start to well up in her eyes. And he realized her feelings are hurt. Ladybug, I'd be happy if you called me daddy. I love you so much. And for a second, you know, he thinks about how that could cause a problem with Aaron. But fuck Aaron. So that don't uh, matter. And she's like, okay, daddy. Daddy, can I have a cell phone? And it's just like, girl, she couldn't wait. And then later when they get back home, Trip and Sin are curled up on the couch. And he says, you know, it feels good having you this close to me. And she's like, what are you talking about? We sleep together every night. He was like, you know what I mean? You've been distant, though. You want to tell me what's the matter? And at first she's stumbling over her words. She really can't get it out. But then she asks him, are you marrying me because of Sinai? And I get what she's saying, like, I know that you love my daughter, but that is that the only reason why you want to get married? Are you marrying me because you love me or because you want to prove a point to Aaron? But anyway, he says yes, and she tries to get up and walk away. And he's like, you know, stop. I'm marrying you because I want to be her father and take care of her. I know that you love her, but that's not enough to build a marriage on. And he's like, and you know, she's crying and he's just like, wait, wait, wait. Let me explain what I'm saying. I am marrying you because of Sanai, but I'm also marrying you because I love you. I love how you talk shit. I'm marrying you because you're smart. I'm marrying you because you make me laugh. I'm marrying you because you're loyal and fearless. I'm marrying you because I love you. So it's just like, girl, calm down. Damn. So Tyrese is at home. It's like 11 o'clock, almost midnight. And someone is ringing his doorbell. He knows whose it is, but he's making her wait outside. What do you want, Elise? You can't even let me in? It's late. You should have called before you came. And she turns to walk away. But he opens the door and like, girl, get on in here. And she says, if I give you this chance, I don't want to be hurt. If we do this, I better be the only one. When we do this, you've been the only one on my mind and my heart since you came out to tell us how Mir was doing. And, you know, she's smiling. And he tells her that the girl, oh no, he gets a phone call, sorry, that the girl they saved in Dallas woke up last week and one guy in the crew she convinced him to fly her down and she called one of the workers and she wants to talk to trip like she's insisting on seeing him and only him she don't want to talk to nobody else and so he gets out of the bed with dr rose to go see the girl to see if she remembers anything is there anything she can tell them about the prince family and this heifer says, I just had to come see you and thank you. You saved my life. Like, sis, you did not have to travel down here and thank me personally. And I don't see why he couldn't see it. I'm like, why did you have to see me? You don't have to see me. 
But even, okay, let's just say she does and she made it here. Okay, thanks. Goodbye. And, you know, he tells her, I'm glad we found you in time to help. I hate to push, but did you come here because you have information or what? And the only thing she tells him is Stefan's father is ready to step down from the family businesses. He wants to hand things over to his kids. But first, they wanted to make sure their strongest Texas competition, which would be the Kinsey's, was out of the way before they learned the ropes. So they came for y'all. That's all I can put together so far. And that's really all she knows. She doesn't know anything. She's just trying to use anything to stay close to Ty. So Chantel goes with Tamir to the DNA appointment. And at first, they're just sitting there quietly. But then, of course, Daria has to say something. I don't even know why we're here. And Tamir tells her, you keep, you keep on insisting that this baby is mine. So we're going to see. I mean, there's no need for this. You know this baby is yours. It's like, bitch, I don't know anything. That's why we're here. And we're going to stay here until the test is done. And Daria says, what I want to know is, if I'm such a hood rat and a hoe... Why you enjoyed laying up with me? And Chantel, you know, turns to him like, that is a good question. Can you answer it? And it's just like, because she's a hoe. Is she going to lay it low and spread it wide? Of course, a nigga's going to jump into bed and enjoy it. But I think she was trying to make it seem like, you know, they laid up having conversations. So it was basically like a relationship. So while you trying to make it seem like I was only just a hoe, like, no, nigga, you enjoyed my company as well. And he says, because I was 20 and stupid and thought being a man was about getting all the pussy you could get. But I thought you understood the deal because I never thought my girl would leave me. And Chantel was like, whoa, what? I told you I believe that was like my one deal breaker. So what is you talking about? And he says, but I knew how hard you loved a nigga. So basically saying he could have brought her right back in the fold, even if she found out that he was cheap. And it's like, yeah, but you see how that turned out, right? Later that night, he asks Chantel to sleep with him. You know, not on nothing sexual. He just wants to lay in the bed with her. And she agrees. But the dreams are still coming. And he keeps rele uh, reliving the night of the shooting. So while he's dreaming, he notices movement in his room. And he reaches for his gun. But it's actually Dubois who has the baby and she's screaming out his name and she's like covering the baby from the gun that he has aimed at them. Briar is having are about to go to lunch to with Tyrese, not to Tyrese. And the co-worker, what is his name? Brandon. He knocks on her door and asks if she wants to go to lunch. And Tyrese says, no, she don't need no more lunch dates. And the guy's like, excuse me, I'm not sure who you are or why you're here. Oh, for God's sakes, Elise, surely you're not entertaining this, this kid. And it's just like, if she is, so what? What does that have to do with you? Why do you feel any way about that? That is none of your business. And Tyrese tells him, I'm a grown ass man. Her man, your services are no longer required. And I, and if I catch you trying to offer them again, I'm going to be sure to explain it in a way to make sure that you understand. So they're 
the ladies plus Devin are all having lunch together. And Shamar asks about Tamir and asks how they're doing. And Chantel says that Noah is fine, but there's something wrong with Tamir. And he scared her so badly the other night. And he hasn't even been staying with them. He's been staying with his parents. And she says, hopefully he works on himself. If not, he can't be with us. Because it's just like, nigga, you really almost shot me and our baby. Or you could have shot me or the baby because you didn't know which one was which. And it's like, why are you sleeping with a gun by the bed? I mean, I know what. That was stupid. Never mind. Forget I just said that. <laughs> um, Shamar runs into Anton and they're talking. But before they can even say more than a few words, Trey is on the phone with Shamar telling her, tell that nigga I'm going to beat his ass again and walk away from him. And she's like, you know, no, I'm not saying that. And Antoine tells her, you know, it's worth it. I'd fight him again just to spend time with you. And it's just like, nigga, really? So Tyrese and Dr. Rose are out on a date when he gets a text message from one of his workers again saying that Seth's daughter is looking for him to talk to him. So he tells Dr. Rose he has to step away for a few minutes. But she's like, no, let her uh come sit down and talk so because if she's just a chick you're helping what's the big deal and so she comes in and she's throwing shade at dr rose about how big she is how she doesn't eat heavy like that and she don't see how she could and then she's like you know can we go be alone after what happened what at lord after what happened to me i just don't know who to trust and so Tyrese looks at Dr. Rose and she tells him, you know, go handle your business. And he's like, I'll be right back. But as soon as he leaves, she gets to lift and she leaves. She's like, you know, you're not about to keep leaving me for this girl. It don't make no sense. Because the first time they had sex, he got the call that she flew out to see him. And she really didn't have no information. Then she pops up on this date and you leave once again. So it's just like, you know what? I'm out of here. Trey and Shamar are at a doctor visit to find out what they're having. But they're not actually finding out Devin and Sin are there because they're going to throw them a gender reveal party. So Ty tells Tamir that he needs to go home. I can tell that you're the baby boy. You run here every time y'all have an issue. You got a home and a family. Shit ain't going to work out with you in another place. She probably feels like you're not committed. And that's food for thought for Tamir. Tamar has been with Angel for two weeks and she still doesn't know anything about him. So she tells him that they need to talk and she wants to go home. And he's like, oh, that's easy. No. And she says, you know, Sin is having a gender reveal party for Shay and Trey Saturday and I have to be there. My family is tight. You can't just keep me away from them. And, you know, then she turns on her sexy. Please, Angel, I want to be with my family. Okay, but I'm going with you. And she wasn't anticipating that. So she's like, no. He's like, the only way you're leaving this house is with me. So if you want to go, you can go. But I'm going to be right there. 
Tyrese can see that Seth's daughter is trying to manipulate the situation because when she showed up to the restaurant, she didn't have any information. It was just stuff she may have heard vaguely. And he's calling and texting Dr. Rose saying, you know, okay, that's enough. You had your little attitude, but I'm tired of it. And she's like, you know, leave me alone. Take it to Storm. I'm sure she don't mind. And he says, Storm ain't my woman, though. You're my woman. And so later on that night, he goes to her house, but she's not there. And, you know, they have this war going on. So he's thinking anything could happen because her car is there, but she's not there. So she, I mean, he calls her detail asking, you know, where is she at? And he's like, you know, she's at this house. She's been using Uber because her car wouldn't start. And Tyrese is like, you know, do you not think that this is some information I should know about? And the guy is just like, he too relaxed in his situation. And it's like, yeah, we cool with y'all niggas, but y'all still are workers. So you need to remember your place and just give me the information so I can find her. So the house that she's in is actually her parents' house. So he goes and knocks on the door and she answers and asks him, you know, what are you doing here? What you mean? I told you I was coming for you. You thought it was a game? And she tells him, you know, you cannot be here. Why? You need to leave. My boyfriend won't appreciate you showing up to his house. Oh, yeah? Well, seeing as how I live across town and I'm your man... I'm not particularly scared or worried. Maybe I have too. And he like, like he tired of the games. He's like, look, I know this is your parents' house and I'm about to meet him. And of course, her parents are standing in the back, you know, like, who is that? Who is this young man? And her dad says, you know, welcome, son. She never brings company over. And the mom, she's like, we're so glad to meet you. What's your name? Are you Briar's boyfriend? And he introduces introduces himself and says yes he is so you know they're just talking over dr rose because she's trying to get words in but they ain't having it because let her tell it ain't nothing going on he's nobody and she'll probably try to kick him out so they invite him to dinner and he joins and he's like do you have any baby pictures of her like he he is eating this up and her mom tells dr rose he's such a good looking young man honey bun you did good and her mom insists on her making Ty a plate. And Dr. Rose doesn't want to. She's like, I'm not doing that. And she's like, you know, baby, this is one way to a man's heart. It's through his stomach. And she's like, who said I was trying to get in his heart? And her mom, like, she sees what's going on. I know you're worried about looking like a servant or something, but fixing someone's food is a sign of affection between a couple. Your daddy fixes my plate all the time and you know it. Just do it. You know, we could act like it's a... And she's like, you know, we could just act like it's a holiday, mom, and put everything in serving bowls and pass them around. And her mom was like, girl, fix that man a plate. And... It's so cute. Because her mom, Dr. Rose's mom's name is Belle. And the dad name is Adam. So it's like, you know, Beauty and the Beast. Beast's real name was Prince Adam. And you have Belle. And then her name is Briar. 
Elise. So it's just like perfect little fairy tale names and family. And her mom, she's such a sweet lady. She's like, you know, I don't want to overstep. And your teeth are beautiful and they suit you well, but they look very expensive. Maybe you should take them off before you eat. I don't want you to mess them up because he had his grills in. So it's just like, you know, we about to have dinner. Don't you want to take those off? And, you know, they're getting to know him and they want to know what his plans are. And Ty is about to start his senior year in a biochemistry program. And he's hoping to get accepted into a pharmacy school. I want to be, I will. I've wanted to be a pharmacist for as long as I can remember. I also work at one of my parents' car dealerships. And this surprises Dr. Rose because he never told her any of that. He let her see all the hard, dangerous side of him, but he hasn't shared his dreams and goals. And that made her feel some type of way. And I'm like, why would it? Every time you see him, you talking down on him, talking about how basically you so much better than him and what this would have made you see him in a different light or something like that like no why can't you just accept me for who i am and what you see in front of you i shouldn't have to dress it up and be like oh you know give me a chance because i'm actually in school and i want to be a pharmacist and i'm taking the steps towards that it's like no because yeah that's part of me but what i'm showing you the hard part as she calls it that's also a part of me too and, you know, at the end of the night, he's like, you're ready. And she thought she was slick. She's like, um, I'm actually staying the night. But her parents basically push her out the door. Like, please go spend time with this man. And when they're in the car, she asks him, you know, why didn't you tell me about school and wanted to be a pharmacist? And he says, you saw niggas outside and just made assumptions. I let you think what you want. And now that she's, you know, basically caught with her foot in her mouth, she's trying to turn it around on him like... Um, I'm not that shallow. You broke into my office and had me come out at midnight to basically do surgery on a friend of yours. Don't act like it was just about the way you were dressed or whatever. But that was the main part of it. And so it's like, you can pretend and act like that isn't what it was, but that was exactly what it was. You saw his outside and how he appeared to be a thug and you just didn't want no parts unless it was, oh, excuse me, to have a little fling and be done with it. And he's like, you. if you feel me, why does it matter if I'm in school or I'm hugging? Basically what I just said, you should like me for me. I shouldn't have to put on the front of, oh, I'm this good college student who deserves a chance. I deserve a chance either way. And then he tells her, you know, I'm going to tell you this one time and one time only. I said I was with you and I am. All that shit about Storm, you can dead that. I don't want that girl. I want you. So they've made up and they're all good. Tamir goes home, but he knocks on the door. He doesn't use his key to get in. And he says, we need to talk. And she agrees. He apologizes, but she says, I don't need any more. I'm sorry. I need to know what you're going to do to fix this. Like, how are we going to move forward? And he's going to talk to Dr. Rose to get some recommendations to see a therapist so he can talk about what actually happened to him. And Chantel tells him, you know, your life comes with outside complications that might put us in danger. And I'm learning to deal with that. But I have to feel like my baby and I are safe in our own home. 
And then she also tells him, I'm tired of you treating this place like a hotel when you're upset. Is this our home, as you keep telling me, or is it not? And he agrees. He's like, yeah, you know, this is our home. Well, stop running. If we're supposed to be a family, we work through our own shit. You can't run home to mom. And of course, you know, he's like, I don't do that. But that's exactly what you do. Anytime something happens between y'all, you go to your parents' house. And she's like, you know, I'm going to ask you one last time. Are you going to be here with us? And he says, I'm here. And she says, good. But we're going to sleep in separate rooms for now. Daria's baby has a bad asthma attack. And she texts Tamir. And it just seems like every time they appear to get close and they're patching things up, here comes Daria just fucking up all their plans. He goes to the hospital to check on the baby and see how he's doing. And the doctor tells them that somebody has to stop smoking around the baby. And it's just like, you know what? And come to find out, somebody's smoking cigarettes and it's messing with the baby's asthma and he's having reactions. But they're going to put him on breathing treatment so that should help him out. So when they're done... They caught a ride to the hospital, so Tamir has to drop them off. And he's like, man, bring your trifling ass, trifling ass on. Because it's like, you smoking around your baby? Really? And when they get there, you know, to drop her off, she's like, would you like to come in and help put him down? He's like, man, if you don't get out of my car, the results are in. And Dubois... I don't know why I was going to call her something else. Dubois... It like she woke him up out of his sleep and she has the envelope in his face and he's like, is that? Yes, it is. And he apologizes again and says, you know, I fucked up and I'm going to spend the rest of my life. And she cuts him off. You know that feeling you have right now? Scared of losing me and our family? Of losing everything we've worked towards? He nods. Promise me that you'll never forget that feeling and how scary it is. I promise. Good, because if you do this again, those fears will be a reality. And congratulations, you are not the father. And, you know, that's just a huge relief for them. They can finally put this behind them. It's over and it's done with. Okay, it is time for the baby shower. No, not baby shower, gender reveal. And it's cute because they have little owls everywhere and a cake that says, guess who? I thought that was so cute. Um, but Trey is seeing how Angel is watching Tamar. And he goes over to talk to him. And he's like, you know, if you got something to do, we are perfectly capable of keeping our sister safe so you can leave. And he says, I don't expect anyone else to do what is now my job. You know, like, that's my woman. I'm not going nowhere. And, you know, Trey has a problem with this. But Angel reminds him, your little sister is a grown woman whether you want her to be or not and i'm about to be a very grown man i already told you my friend i don't ask for miss i don't ask for permission and i don't explain myself so you know it looks like things are about to get heated but tamar comes over and she stands in between the two but she moves closer to angel and it's like you know what's going on over here and they're just like all is well 
And she's like looking deep into Angel's eyes and Trey can see what's there. So the closest he gives to conceding is asking Angel if he wants to go find a drink because there's no alcohol out at the baby shower. The color of the strings will be the reveal of the gender of the baby. So when they release the strings, it's blue and pink. So Trey is upset because he's like, I thought you had this all under control. Which one is it? And uh, Shamar didn't get it at first either. She's like, you know, is there one, like, is there more of one color than the other? Like, I don't get it. And then she stops and she, like, it clicks for her. And she's like, no way. And they're like, what? Trey's still lost and he pissed because he's like, man, I know I shouldn't have let y'all throw this damn uh, gender reveal. And she's like, think of your younger siblings. And he's like, the twins? Why would I? Yeah, they're having twins. So they're having a boy and a girl. This man passes out. <laughs> I'm like, how you gonna faint just because you having twins? Like, twins running your family. So there was always a possibility it could hit you and your spouse. Trip and the brothers are having a meeting with their crew because they haven't met Trey. So he's making his grand entrance. And he says, for any of y'all that don't know, I want you to meet the oldest of the Kenzie clan. And Trey, Trey's a fool. I love him, man. He like, build me up, you know, hype me up. I'm the oldest, the heir apparent, the crown prince. And Tamar asks, the craziest of us all, this is Trey, y'all. He got murderous tendencies and loves to torture people. So Trey puts on a hurt look and she adds, but he's a good cook and tells good stories. See, baby girl, that's why you my favorite. Trey is funny. The fact that most of y'all are just meeting me is a good thing for you. I usually get people when they when they don't cross us. I remind them of the cost of doing that, and then I make them pay that cost. I was gonna tell you a story about punishments for traitors that I read about: being eaten alive, being skinned, being burned, being starved to death. And I've used them all. But you, you want to know my favorite? My favorite method goes back to the beginning of this country. They hung you up by your neck. Let you choke and gasp for a little bit. Right before that last breath, they cut you down. Then my favorite part, they cut your guts out and burn them while you watch. But wait, there's more. They, decapit they decapitated you. They cut you into four pieces. Quarter the nigga. When I read that, I realized how brilliant that was. Who gonna fuck up when they know that that's the kind of stuff waiting for them? And I realized how badly I want to do it. Except I'd probably do the quartering before the decapitation. So I recommend that y'all never, ever, 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 ever cross us. Chantel was out with the ladies again and they're having lunch. When Daria approaches their table with her friends. And she makes the comment, hell, I didn't want my son to be related to a half monkey anyway. She can kiss my ass. Her and her ugly ass baby can go to hell. I'm going to be laughing laughing last. So, of course, Chantel jumps up and beats her ass. Because it's like, you're not going to keep talking about my baby. But um, 
they pull Chantel off and Daria spits towards her and she attacks her again. And when she's walked out, Trey gives her a thumbs up while they're talking to the manager. So she's not arrested and, you know, they're paying for any damages that was caused. And Tamira tells her, you know, what you got your head down for? Don't be embarrassed. I've been telling you since I moved you to know your place. I'm with you. I live with you. I have a family with you. You shouldn't have even looked twice at these thirsty bras, but you out here fighting in public. A queen never steps off her pedestal to entertain the peasants. I have to entertain them because you did. That bitch insulted Noah and she tried to spit on me. So it's just like, you know, you're not going to keep coming for me when this is what's going on. You don't want to slept with this bitch, but she keep coming to me. And at first she was trying to pretend like that was her, uh, that Tamir was the dad's father. Because when she first approached the table, she's like, oh, I should be joining in, you know, since I'm part of the family now. And it's just like, girl, you are not a part of this family. Then you said some slick shit and got your ass beat. So how are you, Tamir, even saying anything to me about beating that bitch ass? Antoine has been summoned. I think I said Antoine. It's Anton has been summoned by his parents because Dimitri basically told on him. It's like, you about to start a war with these crazy people that are our allies over a woman that does not belong to you. Because you know you're going to have to kill Trey to be with her. And what's your plan? And he's like, huh? What's your plan? The only way you will ever have her is over Trey's dead body. You expect her to willingly commit to the man who killed her kid's father? The guy she loved. And he hadn't thought about that. And Dimitri is like, yeah, I can see that. Half of this is about your ego. About winning the girl. But this time, Anton, the cost is too high. And it is not a cost this family will pay. Get over her. Like, the dad makes it very clear. Like, you can stop thinking about this girl. Because our family and our allies with the Kinseys is not going to be jeopardized for a woman that you cannot have and he also tells him to help you i'm going to give you another graduation gift a year off to explore europe and you can go wherever else you want to go you leave in two days storm shows up to dr rose's office and she says you know i figured it's time that we talk and Dr. Rose ain't going. She's like, look, little girl, Tay is not here to save you. And I see right through you and your little woe is me act. We ain't got nothing to talk about. Briere, Elise, whichever one it is today, how do you expect to keep Ty's interest? You're obviously so much older than he is and you have very different lifestyles. You, you realize he'll get bored quickly, right? I'm going to break this shit down for you one time and one time only. Number one, none of that is any of your business. I'm going to keep him interested in my way. Number two, stop scheming. You're not getting my man. And this little girl, like, I just want to know where does she get the nerve? Because she basically calls her fat. She's like, you think now, but you know what happens in a few years to women like you? You get old and that fat starts to sag and that belly won't stay flat anymore. 
You'll be old and fat and Ty won't want you. And it's like, what are you going to do? Be playing in the background all these few years while he's still with her? Like, girl, you don't even know this man. Yes, he rescued you. But that does not mean that y'all are going to be in a relationship together now. And she says, aside from that, unlike some people, my looks aren't all that I have going for me. This is what Dr. Rose says to Storm. Because it's like, otherwise, yeah, you're pretty and you're cute but it's just like girl we don't know nothing about you like do you have a job you were going to school but are you still in school and then girl you was on drugs like come on now you you can't be talking and all this stuff done happened to you and while they're going back and forth ty comes in and he's like you know what is going on and of course storm starts her woe is me act ty did you hear what she said to me how can you like someone who's so mean? And Dr. Rose says, you know what? Both of y'all can get the fuck out of my office. Bye. I don't want to talk to neither one of y'all. And he says, you know, that was mean, huh? But Storm, I heard what you said. You deserved what Briar said and more. I already told you. It can't be like that between us. And she lets it slip that they had lunch the other day. And he's like, only because I promised to let you... Take me out as a thank you. You know, I already told you I had a girl, so don't try to act like it's something more. Shamar is meeting up with the crew once again because Sin has an announcement, a big announcement, that's going to affect the wedding. So she's invited everyone to a hot dog place. And when they get there, um, Shamar and Devin, like, call off her order. Like, let me guess what you're going to get. And it's a very specific burger, I mean, hot dog with specific toppings that she only orders when she's pregnant. But, you know, she drags it out and says that the wedding might be canceled because everything's falling apart. But everybody says, you know, like, we got you. Don't worry about it. It's cool. This food trip, they are at the strip club and he is handing out cigars. That's how happy he is to be having a baby with Sin. But Sin calls him while he's in the strip club because she needs him to watch Sanai. And she had already asked Shamar and Devin, but they were busy. And this upsets him. He's like, you know, we're raising her together. You should have asked me before you even checked with uh, Shamar and Dev. You know, like, this is our baby. You talk to me first. And then he tries to rush her off the phone. And she says, don't be rushing me. And don't be in there trying to make a hurricane. Just a light shower. We got two kids. We need that money. And Trey gets a call from Angel. And he's like, you know, what's up? Ask baby sis if you could come out to the strip club with us. But then his face turns into like that demon stare he be having going on. And when he gets off, he lets them know that Alonzo Prince is in Houston. And he wants to have a meeting with them. Alonzo tells them that he is not behind the attacks that have been happening to the Kinsey family. It is actually his sons. And they thought he only had Stefan, Stefan, whatever I've been calling them. But he has two other kids outside of his marriage from his wife. So he actually has Alonzo Jr. and a daughter, Michelle. And Alonzo Jr. hates him. He's been trying to start this war thinking that they will kill big Alonzo so then he can come out from the shadows and take over 
And he's like, you know, I have nothing to do with this. I'm just trying to make sure that my wife and daughter are straight. And I'll tell y'all anything y'all want to know. Because I'm just trying to be done with this. And they find out that Michelle has actually infiltrated the ladies crew and been acting as a friend to the girl. And when he calls Sin, you know, to check up on her to make sure she's still straight, Aaron has picked up Sinai. So when Sin is informed of what's going on, she's not angry and scared. It turns out the night that Trip confronted Aaron about the custody issue, Aaron has slipped and mentioned Shay's kidnapping. So, you know, it's all coming together that he's involved with this as well and for 20 minutes he calls her and she asks you know where's my baby and he tells her you and your fiance have 45 minutes to meet me or you'll never see either one of us again and when they get there well no before they get there she's like where and he tells her case knows now case is somebody and their crew so he's been a traitor all this time and he says, you know, it's just business. So let's go. So Trip has to leave both of his guns and they can't bring their cell phones. Aaron's plan is to take Sin with him because they're going to get new identities when this is all over so nobody can find them. But Aaron wants Sin to come with him and be with him. You know, he's going to raise Trip Baby as his own and they're going to have Sinai. And she agrees because during this time, they have been hitting Trey with the gun and he's tied up. So she agrees, but Trip isn't having it. He's like, no, don't, don't do that. Sanai comes down. She's supposed to be in bed, but she comes down because she heard Sin's voice. And when she sees Trip, she starts crying and she says, what happens to my, what happened to my daddy's face? And Aaron tells her, that's not your fucking daddy. Don't say that shit again. And it's just like, really? You gonna talk to a little girl this way? And he's like, you make her call you daddy? It's like, I don't have to. That's just our relationship. You mad? So Case comes in and is like, you know, this has all been fun, but I need my money. Alonzo Jr. gestures towards a bag for him to take. And while he's looking at the money, Alonzo Jr. shoots him in the head. And Tripp says, damn, I wanted to do that. Excuse me. So Sin agrees, you know, to go with him. But she has one condition. Tripp has to live. She says, if you want any type of peace from me, he has to stay alive. You cannot kill, kill him and he cannot be harmed. And Aaron agrees because he's like, I want him to live with the fact that I took his family. So while they're talking, glass shatters and Alonzo is crumbling to the floor with half of his face gone and Michelle has a big hole in her chest and the Kinsey's are here to save the day. And while Trey is getting Trip free, he says, they killed that nigga? Trip, why you let them do that? You know I have plans for him. And it's like, nigga, do you see my bloody face and my tied up ass hands? What the fuck was I going to do in this situation? I didn't have my gun. I didn't have no phone. Like, okay, my bad, bro. Damn, you didn't get to torture this one nigga. And they asked, you know, how did y'all find us? 
Remember the cell phone that uh, Trip fought, brought for their baby girl? So she called Shamar and asked if she should call 911 because, you know, her mama was crying and Trip was all bloody. Look, and Trip is like, see, and you was mad about that cell phone. And tells her, but if you ever try to make a deal to save me, that means I'm going to lose my family. Dead that. My life wouldn't be the same without y'all. So it's three and a half weeks later and Sin and Tripp's wedding and reception is over and done and Shamar is big and pregnant and she's ready to go home. But he says, you know, I owe you a date and we're going to go to it. So they get to a private airport and Tripp has bought his own plane and the interior is Minnie Mouse. And she looks at him and he's like, anything for you. So they have a date on the San Antonio River along the river walk and you know it's just nice and cute and they go back to a hotel and have sex and he's like you know did I re did I redeem myself and she says this is the best date ever and he says you know Trip kind of did shit out of order seeing as I'm the oldest what do you mean I didn't want to steal his shine but I figured it's time for us to do this marriage thing you riding? And she looks at him like, I know that ain't my proposal. And he says, yeah. And he just gives her a ring box and set in platinum, set in a platinum band was the biggest princess cut yellow diamond I had ever seen. And it says, um, you know, you're my sunshine. So of course I'm going to get you this yellow diamond. But it's like, you couldn't do better than that, though. That proposal could have been better. I could have got an I love you. I don't want to be without you. No, nothing. He just like, you riding or what? What are we going to do? And she asked about said, and Trey didn't kill him. But he says he did beat him like his name was Kunta. And he bet not ever set foot in Houston again. I'm trying to get his daughter to go somewhere before... Uh, you know, Briere, Dr. Rose whoop her ass. And that's the end of the beauty of this street love. But there is a another part of this where it's called There's Still Beauty in the Street Love, Her Fallen Angel. And that would be Tamar and Angel's story and how they fall in love. I hope you guys enjoyed this book and this series. And I hope to see you back tomorrow for day 16 of read a book, record a podcast. Peace and blessings, my beautiful people.